Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. From smuggler to father to partner and back again, Daniel Jose Older's book, Last Shot, takes our favorite space pirate across the galaxy more than a few times. We break down this newest addition to Star Wars canon as we anticipate the release of Solo next month. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to the show where we talk all about Han Solo. <laughs> you just made it sound like that's all we talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's welcome more like... <laughs> where we talk about Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. Sky Talkers, a Han Solo podcast. <laughs> a Han Solo podcast. It's more like where we talk about Han Solo, question mark, because we don't actually spend that much time talking about solo han solo Mm -hmm. i know it's fine but we we are now and we are today yeah Yeah. and i'm really excited to talk about solo me too me too but before we dive in i want to save like our reactions and everything for the first part but um how have you been i feel like it's been like a really long time since we sat at the mic for some reason which is weird i'm I'm like really excited for solo now. Um, I feel like I just keep getting more and more like incrementally more excited for it. And last shot just kind of hit me over the head as a surprise with how much I liked it, which I know we'll get into. But uh, yeah, it's been really fun reading people's reactions and talking about it on the internet and all that good stuff. Um, but I was I was just here in Georgia. You did get to go on a really fun trip. So how how have your past two and a half weeks been? I mean, my trip was great. I'm I'm not here to talk about my trip, but it was I had a really great time. I wish I was able to read Last Shot on that trip. It came out like a couple of days after I got back, which was kind mm-hmm. of a bummer. Um, but regardless, I am also getting really pumped for solo. I feel like I feel like it's just going to be a really good time. We're going to have some things to talk about, and it's just going to be a really great addition to the canon. And I'm I'm very excited. And I, I, I've been on the train for a while. I know that mm-hmm. you less so. And I'm just like as as time goes on and we we learn more and more. I am I'm not diving into spoilers at all with this. I think I'm done watching TV spots. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I don't need any more. You know, I I'm yeah. so I'm I'm going to see it like ten times. You know. Oh, yeah. The usual. (laughs) Well, it's funny because you – like, if we're talking about, like, the solo train of, like, excitement, you were, like, in first class, like, a lot sooner than I was. I feel like (laughs) I started off in third class when they first announced solo, and then I just kind of, like, have been slowly working my way up the solo train, and I'm, like, entering first class now. I'm here, (laughs) and I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm ready for it. I'm, like, in first class on the solo train with, like, Lando Calrissian's bar and (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> it's just like it's it's luxury as as he would say so i'm really excited I'm, just, I'm so excited for all the characters that we're gonna get and as yes. we get more glimpses and these posters and these i mean i've seen quite a few tv spots now but i'm i think i'm like honestly i'm not watching anymore mm-hmm. i 
I am so pumped for Kira. I'm excited for Enfys Nest. And I think after reading Last Shot, I'm really excited for L337, Leech. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. I think L3. I think it's L3. Yeah. Um, so I am pumped. Yes. yes. But we do have a couple <laughs> of announcements about the podcast before we dive into the parts. Um, if you guys have been listening to our last few episodes, you know that Sky Talkers has a listener survey that is out right now. And it's going to be open through the end of April. So you still have time to fill it out if you haven't. Um, it's really helpful for us. It's really fast, three to five minutes. You only have to answer the questions you want to answer, but um, it's just us getting to know a little bit more about you. So it's going to be in the show notes. It's on our website. It's also on our Twitter. So if you have time and want to fill that out for us, we would greatly appreciate it. And like I said, it will be open until the end of the month. Yes. And the last announcement is that we, so we have a Patreon page and we talk about it at the end of every show and we're so grateful for our patrons. And as an added bonus for our patrons, we have started a Patreon only Discord server and it has been awesome to talk to you guys and about fanfic, about each trilogy, about anything (laughs) really and Mm -hmm. solo speculation it's been really fun and that's available on every tier so if you're interested in that you might want to go check out our patreon page exactly yeah it's been a ton of fun i haven't done a whole lot of discord yet uh but i've really been enjoying it i think we've had it up for what almost a week now not even yeah not even yeah yeah so um definitely check that out if you're interested but we should dive into our parts because I really want to start talking about Solo. Our last shot, that that's going to throw me off. I can already tell. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling it Solo, but it's last shot. Um, so part one is we're going to just walk through our initial thoughts about the book and kind of where it fits into canon. And in part two, we're going to go into deeper themes of the book. And then in part three, we're going to do something we've been doing with um, all of the book reviews that we've done recently on the show is Lectio Divina, where we will pull out certain quotes to read to each other and then give our immediate reactions. Yep. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. So welcome to part one. Um, The first question I have is, what cover are you? This was like so difficult um (laughs) i because before before i got the book immediately in my head i was already thinking i'm gonna be a lando gal and that's just what it's gonna be but then everyone was changing their covers to lando and i felt bad for han and then i was like maybe i should keep my cover on han's cover but i also (laughs) really like the lando cover so honestly i took the cover off because it was causing me a little bit of anxiety (laughs) Wait, so right now, my- literally same, same. <laughs> what, really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't handle it. I was like, I kind of also like flipping the cover inside out, kind yes. of like stressed me out, like uh-huh. creasing it and everything. I'm, yeah. I am, I'm no shame in creasing pages or anything, but like, I was right. like, oh my god, am I going to do this right? This is weird. <laughs> I know, actually same. I was like, Caitlin, why are you freaking out about this? Like, you you mark up your books all the time. This is just a cover. <laughs> But it's an important cover. <laughs> yeah. I think if I were to, you know, I think on my shelf, I'm going to display Han. And I feel like that's a controversial choice. But I think I like the red more than the yellow. I I don't know. I really like the blue of Lando's. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all good. It's good. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. You really can't. <laughs> what I really want to see is I want a Star Wars hardback book to come out and have um, some kind of design embossed on the actual cover. Because usually with my hardcovers, I do take off the dust jackets. Um, and some hardcovers have really cool designs on like the actual book itself. So I want Star Wars to come up with one of those. I'm trying to think in my head if they've ever done that. And I, I can't remember. Not Not any of the stuff since Disney. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. No, that's sad. <laughs> I would like that too. I think that would be really cool. They could really do a lot. If it's like a black cover, stars, white, like you you could do a lot. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> really cool. So someone listening, make that happen, please. And thank you. <laughs> um, so what do you think of the book? I really loved it. I didn't expect to love it. As much as I did. I didn't expect to laugh and smile as much as I did throughout this book. It just – Older got Lando and Han and Leia, all of them, so right. I honestly don't think I've ever read better characterizations of characters in books. I know. Like, I feel the same way. This book, like, from the first chapter, it kind of took me over. I was kind of really into it suddenly with the tone of everything, how fun it was. I really think that this has something to do with the fact that The Last Jedi, even though we loved it, was kind of emotionally draining as a Star Wars fan. Heavy. Heavy. It's heavy. And this book is not heavy, but it Mm -hmm. still deals with those characters that we love. And I think that that was really important to me to have this really fun story that yes we can come on our podcast and analyze it as we're going to but it's still just such a good good time a good read a different kind of star wars story that was actually mm-hmm. kind of like had a little bit of a horror element in it and yes. I, it, it just it felt really different and really refreshing and i am all about this book i honestly think this is in my top 10 top oh, five I, top five. yeah i was like yeah. i could be tempted to put this in my top three i'm not even lying yeah like, real talk here Okay, so where does it – okay, if you were to have a top five, what would your top five be? Um, I love – like, I really loved this book, <laughs> which is just so strange because it's not at all my type of Star Wars, you know? Um, I still I still think Lost Stars is my number one. I think I might have Lashed Out as number two. Yeah. Which almost feels like sacrilegious to say. But given like our Star Wars interests, but I, I really think Last Shot might be my number two. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle with my top five a lot. You guys know that. I go from Bloodline to Lost Stars to, I mean, I guess you can even put Revenge of the Sith. The Revenge of the Sith novelization yeah. will always be num- my number one. But in terms of like the new Disney stuff, mm-hmm. I I think that... Lost Stars and Bloodline are still up there. I need to reread Lost Stars. I need to reread both of them, Lost Stars and Bloodline. Yeah, and I want to reevaluate because now that we have so much more, I feel like those felt so different and new in their time. And Bloodline, I honestly think, will remain in my top three. But um, I don't know. I, I need to... I need to do a reread. I think, yeah, now that you bring up Revenge of the Sith, I think I might do... Lost Stars, Last Shot, Revenge of the Sith. Yep. I do <laughs> need so to go hard. back and, you know, but then I think about Bloodline and I'm like, man, I love Castrofo. So, so much. good. So much. So good. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, but this one is really up there. It 
it really surprised me. And I mean, you guys know us at this point. You know we're not into like the bang bang, the shoot 'em up, <laughs> the, the bang bang, <laughs> the ships. You know what I mean? Like we're not really that. In, like this isn't our type of Star Wars. Like we didn't seek out the Han Solo books when we were younger. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. our thing. But you know what? Maybe it was our thing, and we just like didn't really explore it that much because this one is so fun. And of course, that has something to do with the fact that like it really touched on, you know, characters right now that we're really interested in. And um, man, I came away with this with a much <laughs> deeper love of Han and Leia. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's amazing to me because, okay. Yes. I just feel like Han and Leia, I've I've always, you know, loved that romance. I think it's great. It's amazingly executed, whatever. But you guys know me, you know, I love that tragic Annie Dalla vibe. (laughs) And I feel like now that Han and Leia have that, like, we understand where they go, I can look back on their relationship, especially as presented in Last Shot. And. Look at it through this lens of tragedy that is actually like <laughs> right up. <laughs> this is alley. awful, but it's kind of right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I, I love it now. <laughs> it's it's like it's kind of like you know mild rebel spoilers <clears throat> for those of you who haven't watched Rebels. So skip forward about a minute or so. But it's like what we've talked about with World Between Worlds before about you know that 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 world between the worlds, how as Star Wars fans, we kind of exist in that space because we are so uh, versed in jumping around timelines so much, but for so long, big chunks of Han and Leia's time have not been filled in. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess at this point now, we do have quite a bit with Leia from, you know, Bloodline and Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but specifically with like her and Han interacting together um, because we don't get a ton of that in Bloodline. We get, I feel like we get a little bit more in Last Shot, but again, neither one of us have read Bloodline in a while, so I could be, my ratios could be off, but that's just Mm -hmm. kind of how it felt. Um, But now it's like, looking at their relationships, knowing kind of some of the anxiety that Han feels about their relationship and about being a father and, and you know, just like existing in that world outside of being a smuggler, it makes sense. And and like you said, just like adds to that tragedy, knowing what's coming down the line about, you know, 20 odd years later. Totally. Um, it's very, very tragic. Very and tragic. I love it. Let's, I do want to touch a little bit on the horror aspect of this book. Because okay. it was, it like took me by surprise. And at first I didn't really know how far they were going to go into it. But then when we get into that first chapter with Faison and he kills Grizzo, mm-hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you didn't expect a Star Wars book to like touch on random Wookiee limbs? <laughs> I know. No, I did not. I didn't didn't think that Chewbacca would be in this book because he had to search for the missing limbs of other fellow Wookiees. Like, (laughs) this got dark. He would find them out in space just flying around attached to droids. Okay? No, I did not expect that. (laughs) But what did you think of it? I really liked it. (laughs) See? That's perfect. (laughs) There's this there's this one chapter <laughs> where it's 
What's funny too is Charlotte knows I hate horror. Like I don't yeah. do horror film. We were just having this conversation the other day about A Quiet Place and how I don't think I can see it even though everyone says it's great because I just I can't handle it. Charlotte made me – when we were in like what, uh, eighth grade or something, made me watch the first Scream movie at her house in broad daylight and I still did not like it. <laughs> it's so good though. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this one chapter where it's Han and it's him um, on the – this is it Santa or Sana? I feel bad I don't know this. Well, I mean, it's all fake and in space, and her character introduction was in a comic, so I don't really know. I say okay. sauna. I say okay. sauna Soros, but okay. you can say so whoever you want. Tom Han, you know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So there's the chapter where Han is in the sauna timeline and he's he's uh, looking – who is he looking for? Oh, poop. I think he's looking for, for gore. He's Yeah, because it's after they leave the diner and he's like mm-hmm. standing in that hotel and it's just like a two-page chapter. But it's so like a horror film. Like you can see it and he's like talking about the walls are slimy and like you can – like the lights are flickering and then um, this like droid comes out from behind him and starts like trying to shoot him with the red eyes glowing. And it's yes. – it, it was really intense and I, I got chills. But Han, of course, was so funny. He was like – what are you doing here? Why are you? <laughs> the droid says something like, I was asleep. And Han goes, why are you sleeping in the middle of a hallway? <laughs> it's just like, it's so funny. And it, at, at sometimes like that, it kind of felt almost like a Scooby-Doo vibe mm-hmm. where you have like these horrors and like you can just see it and you could almost see Faizen go, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling smugglers. <laughs> The thing is, is that when you talk about this, and uh, honestly, when we were reading it too, I was thinking about how, you know, the original plan of the anthology movies was to go into all these different genres. And now we're they've kind of like backed away from that. Hopefully they'll go down it. But I always love when Star Wars kind of goes down this like kind of horror route. Um, some of the Clone Wars episodes that are mm-hmm. really creepy are super creepy, but I'm so happy that they went there. And that scene that you were just describing, even though it was like kind of creepy, but like Han brought that humor to it. it was, it's like a perfect blending of this character that we know so well and like this genre that like doesn't really exist in Star Wars that much mm-hmm. and it working perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it, I think it was really cool. I really like the addition of it because you go from these really funny moments of Lando and Han to Faizen like sawing off people's limbs in <laughs> kind of in very detailed fashion. And, you know, the whole like sanctuary, the brother of metal and bone mm-hmm. brotherhood at the end was just really kind of it really did take on. Yeah, like a Scooby-Doo horror kind of vibe that I was really into. Totally. Um, so what was your favorite part? Uh, I noticed on the doc that we actually have the same favorite part. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. I'll yeah. talk about it then. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Go for it. What, Charlotte, <laughs> what was your favorite part of the book? The best part in the entire book is when Han and Lando are yelling at each other for two hours like snippy, <laughs> getting everything off their chest. And like the book then skips ahead. Two hours later, it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I was like actually laughing so hard. Also, I feel like this is like so Caitlin and I. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> so 
It kind of was. It kind of was. I don't feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, we're not that mean. But yeah, like- <laughs> we're not that mean. But I was like, we don't really, we don't have those kinds of arguments all the time. But it, it was no. really funny. Um, you know, they just were going off on each other. Neither one listening to the other, but just yelling. <laughs> at the same time for two hours while they're fixing the ship and they're probably like you low life smuggling hand me the wrench and they like handed them the like you can just see it totally playing out like that which I think is hilarious um I love that moment too that was my favorite as well but on kind of the other side of the spectrum there was the moment when Han and Lando are they're on the ship I can't remember where it is but they're talking about the events of Empire Strikes Back and when Lando basically like gambled away Han's life and how Han was still like miffed about it. And they had mm-hmm. a really serious conversation about it. And Lando was like, I get it. And like, it's okay for you to still feel that way. Yeah. Han- I, I just – I brought up that quote if you – it's on page oh, yeah. 246. Um, I, it's cool because Lando's like, you get to still be mad, Han, even if I did risk my own life coming back to you. There's no expiration date on dealing with things like that. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I'm totally with you. I think that was like a really mm-hmm. important conversation that they needed to have. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, I think it applies to a lot of other characters in Star Wars too. So totally. I'll just leave it there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I really loved that moment too because I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this kind of conversation and I'm really glad they had it. Because Han even acknowledges that he's like he's mostly over it, but there are moments when Lando does something that reminds him of that time, and he gets angry about it all over again. And as, he has as a right one yeah, would, because exactly. like same to be honest, mm-hmm. like I, I kind of struggle a little bit with Lando as a character because I I really do like him and I like the sacrifice that he ultimately made and everything and what he laid down for the rebellion and him as a character now, but it's hard not to think about his decision in Empire Strikes Back. Like it, it's it's hard not to. It's mm-hmm. a big part of his character, you know. Yeah. No, I know. You can't let that cake do all the talking. (laughs) (laughs) I also have to say, I think this book did a really good job of bringing up um, so many different elements from across the saga. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like in particular, Aro the Gun Gun. Yes. loved Aro the Gun Gun. And I thought he was going to like stay with the gang and come up again. And he didn't after they left the um, prison planet. And I was really sad about it. Same. I think he had some good stuff to say. <laughs> he had to, like when Han comes up and he's like, oh, it's a gun gun. I know how to handle this. Misa and Aro's just like, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> how many gun guns do you know? <laughs> like, I think Han says something along the lines of like, I think I know seven. And Aro goes, let's round down to one. <laughs> <laughs> And I, that, for me, it read as this, like, meta moment of calling out the fandom for judging the entire race of gun guns based on Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> totally, because Jar Jar is, like, the clumsy one. Yeah. He was kicked out. <laughs> so it makes so much sense that this character would exist like this, you know? It's, yeah, it's so funny. But but on, you know, on more more serious note, Aro, I love when Aro is talking about Naboo and how, you know, kind of an interesting update that things haven't really changed in Naboo between the gun guns and the humans. They don't really know each other. And I think he says everyone still lives separately except for this one area 
And all those people are just annoying. <laughs> yeah. And I think he talks about how like they don't talk to each other or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I just think it's it's really I mean, we see the Phantom Menace and it's such a big moment when, you know, is it Boss Nass who holds up the the huge like ball at the end? Yeah. And peace. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. unified. Um and I feel like, of course, we we never really re- uh, revisit that, but it is such a big moment. But of course, like as we've seen with the sequel trilogy, like big things like that, they take work, they take you know things have to continue, discussions have to continue, and it, honestly, it kind of makes sense. And if you were going to put this in like real world politics, right, that you know stuff like that would kind of fizzle out, and they'd kind of exist in their own separate spaces. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, and he talks about it for a couple of pages. He brings it up, actually, which I mm-hmm. thought was really interesting. I was like, oh, an update on Naboo. Um, yeah, I mean, because at the heart of it, Naboo is just really elitist. It is like a, mm-hmm. a, a, a world that is, you know, very beautiful and very, you, you know, you know what I mean. And yeah. it's it's just, um, I'm, I'm really happy for that update. I think it really adds something a little bit more to the, how I look at Naboo. Honestly. Yeah, no, I think so too. I did love the line when after they escape from the bass tax. Is that what mm-hmm. those are called? Those monsters in the basement? Sure. The fact that there are <laughs> monsters in the basement is just like <laughs> it's hilarious. And Han's like, why didn't you know about these? And Aro goes, I'm literally mid-level management. I don't <laughs> get that information. <laughs> <laughs> What so more good. do you want from me? It's just <laughs> he's just like your average gun gun talking about like the housing market on Naboo and being mid-level management at an archive. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm I'm I think I'm obsessed with Aro. <laughs> I think you are. Maybe you need like an Aro fan art situation. I do, I do, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Who was who uh, your favorite new character? Um, I really like Peekba. I think she was great. Um, I love Taka. They were awesome. And I... I don't know. I honestly like every single new character. Mm-hmm. They, were, I think uh, Older did like such a great job characterizing them and writing them and everything. And it's something that I've actually noticed a lot in these um, Star Wars books, these new canon Star Wars books, is how deeply invested I get into these other characters that are separate from our main trio or main saga who we're familiar with. And it, it must be... I mean, obviously, it's testament to like the amazing author, but I do think that there's an incredible emphasis that like maybe the store group or um, I'm not really sure how it works or the editorial team is really focusing in on creating like this wider galaxy of all these different types of heroes. And I, I think it's really cool. And I, I love everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I, I agree. I think this book definitely had the m- most aliens and droids I've ever seen in a star Wars book which was really fun because it was like not everyone you met was human. In fact, most of them weren't, which I think Mm -hmm. was really cool and definitely played into something we'll talk about a little further down too um, when it comes to like personal choice and humans versus aliens and droids and all that kind of stuff that Star Wars hasn't really delved into. But this book definitely touched on it in some parts and got a lot deeper into it in some areas too, which I think was really cool. Totally. I also really liked Kasha. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. I loved her. Well, I, I really like them all. Like, honestly. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I can't. 
There weren't any characters I didn't like. Oh, you know, I loved BX too, the calf droid. Oh <laughs> Me too. He you was know. just, he tried to kill my, you know, new favorite character. It was, he didn't know what was happening. It was just he so didn't. funny. Oh, I love how he immediately, once he like, once the switch is turned off or whatever, he's like, oh, Ben needs calf. Calf <laughs> he's like, will fix it. Feeding calf to a two-year-old. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> this is really funny. It's really funny. Yeah. And I no, I just, I, I love the beginning of when yeah. Han's like trying to get Ben to sleep. And it was, it's just so funny because like I, Kayla and I don't have kids. We're not parents, but you can, we can all relate to like when you're trying to be really quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have this one like droid who's so loud and you can just hear how <laughs> loud he is on the page. It's so funny. It was so great. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was like, I'm in this book for life. That's <laughs> my ride or die. <laughs> It was really funny, too. And I think there's even a part, too, where BX gets a little snippy with Han. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's funny. All the droids were great in this. Um, BX was was particularly funny. Calf, calf, calf. It's like all he cared about. (laughs) Honestly, like relatable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely relatable. So just before we move on to the deeper themes in the book, I just kind of wanted to touch on how how do we think this book is going to change our perception of the way we view Solo? Because with Rogue One, we got a book called Catalyst that led directly into Rogue One. And honestly, like I read Catalyst in the line for Rogue One and I finished it there. And it was... It really helped me understand that first scene, you know, and I, f- I feel like a lot of people didn't really have a lot of context to that scene. And I don't think that this book does the same thing as it's going to do for Solo. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah. Well, I haven't read Catalyst yet. Um, but it's good. It's good. It's really it good. It is good. It is good. I have it. I just haven't gotten to it yet, actually. But I, yeah, I don't think that this book is going to have the same kind of tie-in because, you know, it, it feels like the vibe they're going for with Solo is just, you know, like Han having these just like adventures, like a serial TV show, um, because that's kind of, that's kind of his vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're, I mean, I definitely think there'll be connections that have been seeded throughout this book that we haven't picked up on yet. Um, but I don't think it'll have the same kind of tie-in the way that Catalyst did for Rogue One. Um, just because it, it kind of can't since it came out before Solo. You know, not in any kind of really big way. I mean, Catalyst came out before Rogue One. It, it can. Yeah, but Cat, like, but Catalyst wasn't about – at the end of the day, Catalyst wasn't about, like, Jin and Cassian. It was about Jin, but yeah. It, yeah. Like, it, it, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I feel like we didn't get like clear answers in this book about any of the fates of our characters in Solo. I mean, I feel like it was kind of like a question mark about like who and where is Kira, since now we know that character. And it's like I'm very stressed about all three. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't. I just feel like she doesn't survive or anything. But then at the same time, rebels. Ugh, again, mild rebel spoilers. Slip, skip ahead two minutes. Um, Rebels has kind of taught me that, you know, 
characters don't have to die to not appear in the story. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I am hopeful that L3 doesn't get, it doesn't die like K2's death, which was like so sad for me to watch in Rogue One. Yes. And it it's clear to me that I I I genuinely love L three now. Like I, I I really do. I think that she is going to be an amazing character, and I think that she has like such a cool backstory. That if she dies on screen, I'm going to be really sad. Which I mean is okay. It's just I am kind of stressed about that because we didn't get a clear answer at all in this book from either of those two characters. Mm-hmm. I guess what I meant, I don't think I explained myself properly, was that. Solo and like the adventures of Han Solo seem more episodic and yeah, no, don't necessarily I, have to be as connected as I think maybe other parts of canon tend to be, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I'm I'm with you. I'm okay. with you. I was like, one thing back, I was like, I don't know if I explained that properly. Like, I think there'll be connections, but I think the nature of Han Solo as a character is that he just kind of hops around all over the place and not everything I mean, that's his entire thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he likes to have these, like, spin-off adventures. And, like, yeah, these spin-off adventures. Okay. And, like, yeah. he'll bring up something that happened, but you're never going to hear about it again, you know? And so I think I, that's how I kind of see Solo and Last Shot paired together. Yeah, yeah. This book did give me an answer. I mean, I feel like we could have inferred this and basically did infer this, that, like, when Han got the Falcon, he, like, scuffed it up. <laughs> There's that Which one passage. Hilarious. He it's was hilarious. Like, Lando messed it up. And by messed it up, he cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he also talks about how Chewie is really like neat and tidy too. It's so funny. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to keep things how I like it with Chewie picking up after himself. <laughs> Why is Han so messy? <laughs> It's so great. It makes me think of there's that one line in Bloodline about Ben and how Leia Leia's thinking about like Ben when he was like 10 and how like he was playing with his friends and he, you know, he was just so dirty. Like I, I think they she talks about how he was absolutely filthy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> very dirty dirty men <laughs> like like father like son well he talks about the <laughs> the lego bricks too oh my god i forget so what they're great. called but the lego bricks that are left out that he steps on <laughs> yeah it's, it's like you know in celebrity magazines you know stars they're just like us you know solo stars they're just like us or star yeah. wars characters they're just like us i think i was gonna i really enjoyed that about this book too is there were so many relatable things in it <laughs> Like calf and and Legos and like marriage issues and you know talking about parental issues and insecurities, but then also um, talking about you know starting new politics and things like um, like the housing market. I just, you know I just I really liked that aspect of it. Me too. Me too. I feel like a lot of people kind of didn't like that about how like even some of the vernacular was kind of like present in current day, mm-hmm. but. It didn't really bother me. I think it kind of fit in this book more than any other book that it would have fit into. And it was it was great for me. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, me too. I really liked it. Okay. So should we move on to talking about the deeper themes? Yes, let's. 
All right, welcome to part two, where we're going to be talking about some of the deeper things, themes, deeper things, deeper things and deeper themes that we found within the book Last Shot. I almost said solo. Um, (laughs) So the first deeper theme that we're going to talk about is parenting anxiety. And this is something that you and I have seen a lot on the Twitter, in the Twitter world that has come up a lot, um, is talking about how parenting is presented within Ben Solo or with, good Lord, within Last Shot <laughs> in regards to Ben Solo. What is wrong with me? Um, <laughs> so we're going to take a little bit of a stab at it. Um, obviously, Charlotte and I are not parents. We have never been parents. Uh, I have nieces that are young, but that's about it. So uh, we did get this email from one of our awesome listeners, Becky, and her email said, hi, ladies, I'm currently reading the book, and this has been bothering me every time that it's mentioned, Han doubting his parenting skills. What are your thoughts on it? I noticed the parenting debate seems to have come up again on Twitter in regards to Ben Solo. So Charlotte, I'll let you start us off. What do you think about Han and his parenting anxiety that we see throughout this book? Okay, I'm not a parent, so this is tough. But I I feel like when I do become a parent, I feel like I'm going to doubt myself every single hour of every single day, especially mm-hmm. when the child is young. And I I I have to assume I don't we still don't really know that much about Han's backstory and like his own parent whatever. Like I would have to assume that he doesn't didn't know his father, his father like didn't really parent him. And I I feel like that's a source of stress, as like anyone would say, right? That's mm-hmm. just kind of how the world works. And I, to me, yes, it's mentioned a lot, especially in the beginning of the book about how Han is like freaked out about having a son and now he's a father and he's a dad and he is like has this pressure and he's been a stay-at-home dad basically for two years now, right? And um, it's it's a lot. And I feel like any parent would say that. Um, but I, I do, I don't know. I just feel like, yes, it's mentioned a lot, but yes, it's a central conflict of like Han as a person at this point in his life. He like, doesn't know who he's supposed to be. If he's supposed to be like a smuggler, if he's supposed to be like this, like piloting inspector. Yeah. Is it bad that he's like going to leave for the first time in two years after, you know, having a baby? Right. It's like, what's that going to be like? And of course, he's stressed out about it because now his son is getting older and he's like finicky. And it's I don't know. I I, I feel like I, I get this. And to me, even though I again, I'm just I, I'm not a parent. I feel like this in its own way is relatable because. You know, I've never really been like someone to hyper analyze Han Solo. It's just, it's not, he's not a character that I was like obsessed with because he didn't really have this like rich, deep backstory like Luke Skywalker or Leia or Anakin or anything like that. Right. But now seeing, getting all this information about Han and understanding his insecurities, it makes me understand him better as a character so, like and, and appreciate him too because. I feel like I completely relate to this sort of anxiety of, you know, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to be the best kind of person he is. And even when Han talks about how he he doesn't even know if he's like <laughs> if he's worthy of Leia. And I, I, I feel like that again is pretty relatable. Like you're always kind of questioning yourself. That's just how it is to be a human. And 
yes, it's mentioned a lot, but I do think that it's warranted. And the payoff at the end is is great because that conversation that he has with Leia at the end is is really amazing. And I honestly feel like I'm going to like flip back to that a lot, especially in the next like coming years, I feel like. Mm-hmm. No, I really loved everything you said. And, and obviously <laughs> also not a parent. Um, <laughs> but I think what you said too, it, it doesn't even have to be about this anxiety about parenting per se, but more so about this anxiety of being in a new stage of life and in a new role in life and how that's really awkward to navigate. And this is this is like a very poor comparison, so just take it as you will. It's drawing on my own experience. But it's like, you know, when you go to college and then you go back home and it's like you don't really know how to be an adult but still be in your parents' house because mm-hmm. you don't really have to listen to them anymore, but you kind of do. And there's like that, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing here? I don't know. It's just this, this questioning of what your life is now supposed to look like and – if it's not the same anymore, one, are you still the same person that you were before? And two, are you ready for whatever this new stage is? And I can't imagine like like what that's going to feel like when you have a child, like another human life that you're responsible for bringing up. And I think like you kind of mentioned, maybe a lot of Han's anxiety comes from how he was brought up. And it was like, you know, I wasn't, I was, he probably, I'm sure Han probably has a lot of snippy remarks about his upbringing and how he just, you know, ran from job to job and smuggled because he had to survive. And it's like, he probably, and we don't know this, but I'm assuming he probably never grew up in a really stable home environment. And I'm sure he's feeling a lot of doubt that since he didn't have that as a kid, how could he provide that for Ben Mm -hmm. um, as the father? And I don't think... I mean, I don't think it's wrong for Han to feel that way. I'm sure Leia feels that way too. And and on top of that, Leia has this knowledge that something is watching her son too. So there's this whole other level of pressure on her as well. Um, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. And I think it it definitely puts things in a different perspective when we get into obviously the very tragic events of The Force Awakens. And I think it, I don't know. A lot of the debate that we see that we've been seeing on Twitter is about this um, talking about like working parents and how working parents um, are still good parents. And I, I don't know. I feel like you either see the debate that Ben Solo had a great upbringing. It's, you know, you can't place any sort of blame on Han and Leia for what happened to Ben Solo to become Kylo Ren. And then there's the other side of the debate that says Han and Leia weren't around enough for Ben Solo. And that's, you know, why he fell. And it's neither one of those things. <laughs> no. You know, it's it's a mixture of both. You know, it's like you and I have talked about this before, especially in the last couple of days, about how we both had working parents growing up and how that was a really big source of resentment for us as kids. Um, and that has all like that has stayed with us. We both still feel the same way about our parents' work. <laughs> yeah. As we did when we were kids. Um And that kind of resentment, it's like logically now as adults, we know that, you know, they had to work. This is the line of work. You know, we know all the logical reasons why they had to do what they did. But it's still – we can still tap into that hurt that we felt as younger children. And it's the same way for Ben. And it's not that because Han and Leia were working parents, he fell to the dark side. It's because of the way he felt about that 
and Snoke manipulating that that added layers to what eventually became his fall. Exactly. So all the all the points are in place, and it's not necessarily anyone's fault but Snoke's at this point, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah. But regardless, I do think that there's a at the end I mentioned before about you know anxiety with parents um, on page three forty. There's a good quote about Leia, um, about Han from Leia. Um, She says, Han, you try. No one knows how to be a parent before they are one. Not really. But you try, and then you fail, and then you figure out a better way. That's what this is. There is no one way. But you try, you old lug. You don't give up. You figure out a way. And yes, sometimes you got to zoom off to figure things out. And that, up to a point, is okay. I cut out some things, but I do think that... (laughs) it's sad because when I think about that quote, I do think a little bit about like Han trying to reach Kylo in, in the, and the force awakens. And um, it's, it makes it way more heartbreaking. I haven't watched the force awakens since reading this book. And I do think that (laughs) reading this book and watching solo might change my reading of that one scene. and just might make it a lot more tragic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But um, I have a lot of thoughts about that quote just in general, um, because I, I even think, obviously, in Star Wars speak, whenever you see the words try, you think about Yoda, and you think about, like, do or do not, there is no try, and it's like, well, in that instance, Han did try, but it was the end of him, and so, but in terms of, like, real world and what <laughs> Leia was trying to say to Han is that every day is a constant battle with yourself to kind of overcome that sort of anxiety about parenting and like who you are and what your purpose is and is as long as you try every single day it's worth it yeah yeah exactly you know just listening to you talk a little bit about force awakens um and like this idea of choosing it's almost like after the events of what happened um of ben solo falling to the dark side i don't know it's a little bit kind of like father and son because Ben Solo, he chose he chose to follow the dark side, and then he couldn't see another choice, and he still mm-hmm. hasn't really seen another choice. And Han Solo did the same thing. It was like once he fell, he chose to. Go, I think he even says this verbatim: "We chose. I chose to go back to the only life I'd ever known, yep. and he can't see a way out of that choice. And neither can Kylo Ren at this point. Um, but." You know, our our female characters who know what's up, Leia and Ray, they both show them that you can still make another choice. Just because yep. you made this choice before and it, it, you've been on this path for a while doesn't mean you can't change directions. And Han Solo does in The Force Awakens. And I think you're right. Watching this back again after reading Last Shot and especially after seeing Solo will just be all the more tragic because – not only do we have these moments of, you know, like cute, tiny baby Ben, which are adorable, but you also have moments of Han like talking about working through his feelings about what it is to be a father. And I think he calls it – it's weird how he talks about it because in some parts he talks about it like an unsettling feeling of longing to be with his family. And he doesn't really know how to process that because he's never been in that kind of stable situation of having people rely on him and not just rely on him, but want him in their lives constantly. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. And and he like doesn't know how to process that. But there's this one part I love when he's talking, when Ben shows up on a hollow or something, when he's talking to Leia and Han says an unstoppable smile spread across his face at the side of Ben. And 
it's like you know that that's just like pure parental love and that even though Han maybe feels like he doesn't know what he's doing or how to be a good father, maybe because he never had that example or because, um, you know, he's worried about whatever powers might be growing in Ben at the core of it, he still deeply and immensely loves his son. Mm-hmm. For sure. I feel like you can't deny that, especially after reading this book. No, no. And it's just, you know, it just really puts into light what you said earlier that Snoke has had his eyes on the Skywalkers and Solos for a really long time. And everyone made choices that weren't the best in every situation, but everything was amplified so much more by Snoke's manipulations um, to the point where, you know, everyone felt like they couldn't turn back. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what kind of Ben content we get after episode nine comes out, whatever his fate may be, and how Ben talks about Han in kind of his adolescent years. Like, will we ever get some kind of content of Ben as like a nine-year-old where he's old enough to understand, like old enough to like formalize his thoughts, but not quite old enough to really understand, you know, why Leia is working as much as she is? I wonder if we'll ever get that because I think that would be really great. I can't see why we wouldn't get that. I feel like that, sure. like writes itself. <laughs> so I mean, every the one of the, I mean, this book is great, but it was always so exciting to see any glimpse of like Leia or Ben. Like it's just so fun. It's these characters that we love and we're so interested in. And mm-hmm. I feel like Star Wars knows that, so <laughs> we'll yeah. see. But well, it I'm, definitely heads you towards this like happy ending of Han coming home to his family. Um, but you know that that happiness doesn't last. Well, yeah, totally. Oh, <laughs> it's sad. Sad. <laughs> Star Wars is tragedy. Star Wars it's is fine. tragedy. Mark it on your Sky Talkers bingo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very excited. On just the subject to wrap it up before we move on to the next theme. I um am so excited for more Ben Han parallels that we get from Solo. I, I mm-hmm. it's gonna be great. <laughs> what is it gonna be? <laughs> um okay so the next theme that i kind of identified that i thought would be good to you know we we did kind of touch on this a little bit but um this book really makes light of how important it is as a person and as an individual to do the things that you love and be in your space and be as comfortable as possible and like just be happy with like these certain niche things (laughs) that you do right um I loved that because Han really needed this this one mission that, you know, Leia knows that he needed it. Leia packs him the bag the night before. Yeah. And it, it, when he returns home, it's like the whole absence make the, makes the heart grow fonder type situation. It's like, well, yes, absence does. But also when you are out, like <laughs> basically saving the galaxy, like this is what Han, Han lives for, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. He talks about it. So I... I, I did. I really appreciated that about how you needed to. You everyone needs that that outlet. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, I think it too. We I talked about this a little bit before too about this transition from being on his own to being in a family. But just because you're a father at home doing like a piloting organization, whatever it is that thing was called, it's like you don't have to give up those things that you love just because you've moved into a new stage of life. In fact, you should take those things with you and like meld them into this new part of your life. Um, 
And I feel like that was a lot of conflict for Han when he was kind of reflecting on his family life. And he kind of had it in his head, this dichotomy that he could only, it was like he could only be a smuggler or he could only be a father and a husband. And he, on page 340, he writes about this, con- he writes, he says, he talks about this conflict to Leia. He says, Han Solo's diary. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think Ben got calligraphy lessons from? <laughs> I swear to God, if we see Han Solo, Alden Solo, whip out a calligraphy pen, I'm dead. Just like I'm dead in the theater. Dead in the, <laughs> found dead in the theater. Fun sky talker. <laughs> um, but on page 340, when he's talking to Leia, he says, it feels right being out here, but it feels wrong that it feels right. And then I just know I just want, know I need to be back with you and Ben. And then I am and I feel like nothing I do is right. And all I want to be is out here where I know how to do things. And he just, it's like he can't wrap his head around that he can be both, <laughs> that mm-hmm. he can be a good father, but also be, I guess, a good smuggler, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> um, and that he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to give up either of them. Um, he right. just has to learn how to navigate and be able to do both of them successfully, which I think probably goes back to the whole working parent thing. Like if, like all parents struggle with that work-life balance, man. <laughs> Is it possible? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. So I, I do wonder how if if he the, – the end of the book sets up kind of that he does learn to navigate that with Leia's whole speech to him about, you know, sometimes you need to jet off and sometimes I need to jet off and sometimes we'll go off together. Um, but obviously that doesn't happen the way well, it perhaps should. Yeah, because I mean, in the, the Force Awakens, you know, I, I I'm not going to get the right line, the line right, but when Leia's like, we both, uh, Han says, you know, we both went back to doing what we love or something like that, and Leia's like, we both did, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like at that point when their son was gone, they didn't know how to reconcile their son, one being away, um, unclear how this all went down still but um and they both went back to doing the things that they thought they were good at and which they are good at mm-hmm. yeah and I, I just you just got me thinking about how god that conversation with Luke <laughs> I know like was it just to Leia did they feel it and did Leia feel it in the force did Luke tell Han or did Leia tell Han did he tell him at the same time I don't know I'm dying to know Wow. We'll get it someday. Wow. We'll get it. I just got really sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so is there anything else you want to say about the joys of doing what you love? Mm-mm. All right. So let's move on to the next section where we're going to be talking about droid rights, which is a really cool topic that I don't think I ever thought I needed in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my God. I needed it so badly. Like, yeah. I, I think that it – uh, I'm just like I, I'm kind of at a loss for words because I'm so happy that this exists in this book and hopefully has now carried over into Solo as well. Mm-hmm. And just by like the very nature of L3's character, um, do you mind if I read this quote? I'm really excited for you to read this quote. <laughs> so this is about L3. Um, she looked so out of place amid all this elegance. All that exposed wiring on her torso, torso, which she'd pieced together herself from an old astromech. All the other droids around were polished, excessively so, Lando thought, but L3 clearly didn't give a damn about what they thought about her as as aspect of her personality that Lando had always admired. 
Anyway, she could run circles around all of them. L3's central processor and analytical core were light years more advanced than those of any droid Lando had ever met. I I just felt like this like little glimpse into who, who L3 was. And I feel like we have, in some promotional material, heard that like she put herself together, mm-hmm. which is like crazy, and like improved herself. Um, not put herself together, but improved upon herself. It's this amazing thing that we know. We totally know this because in in Star Wars, like we've been told from original 1977 that this story was like within a frame of the droids. I mean, we start immediately with mm-hmm. 3PO and R2 and we accept them into our hearts as like real people, you know, as much as you don't really like 3PO, we love R2 <laughs> and our characters love R2 and it's they they are sentient. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's always been like, Oh yeah. Droids, droids are really intelligent they can do everything it's amazing um but then you also get that one line in a new hope when they walk into the bar and the bartender's like no droids in here yeah so it in like that has always been kind of like what the heck seriously <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you know? really interesting yeah and I, it's like they never really explored that at all maybe they did in a clone wars episode and i'm just completely forgetting but you know We've we love K two and K two is so intelligent and BB eight is extremely loyal and loves Poe and Poe loves him and we know all these things about these droids that we love that we have on notebooks and everywhere around us but it wasn't until this book that they really delved into this topic of how droids learn all this information and they have feelings and they deserve sort of the same respect as humans and it was so cool to me that this book was able to explore this i'm getting very excited about it because i think it's really cool yeah i can hear you (laughs) (laughs) i can hear it in your voice take a breath uh no 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 i completely agree i really liked this aspect of the book and i'm interested if anything i think this part of it particularly with l3 will be the biggest connecting point like the strongest connecting point to the actual movie of solo but just when you're talking about um, that line in A New Hope of, you know, your droids aren't welcome here. You know, you also hear 3PO with Chewie in A New Hope say, you know, when they're at the um, the the gaming table and Han says, you know, let the Wookiee win. And, che- and 3PO says, no one cares about how a droid feels. Upsetting a droid. Yeah, yeah. no one cares about upsetting a droid. And Han's like... I shouldn't have to, basically, is what it mm-hmm. feels like. And two, I don't know, it's like with humanoid droids like K2 and, and 3PO, they're so much easier to relate to and to, like, make this leap that L3 is making. Um, whereas with, um, like, R2 and BB-8, like, we think of them more as, like, pets. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind like, how you describe BB-8? Loyal. How do we describe dogs? Loyal. <laughs> I know. But it's, you know, it's because they don't, they can't actually speak. And, you know, a beep and a blurp is a similar to a wolf or a meow to us. Doesn't mean it's right, but I feel like that's how we really, I don't know, that's how we receive these characters in a way. Yeah. And it, it's it, it's funny that you mentioned that about BB-8 because even in The Last Jedi, they kind of, I mean, not saying this is wrong or anything, but because obviously the, the audience laughed when BB-8 revealed himself underneath that walker. And maybe yeah. like saved the day as the droids normally do. Yeah. You know, and at that mo- moment, like BB-8 wasn't just like the small little round droid, but he was also this like huge wa- walker, like shooting off the enemy. Mm-hmm. And if that shows you anything about like astromechs or anything is that like 
these droids are just as capable, if not more, than the humans of that moment. Faisine mm-hmm. has a really, in his first kind of monologue about droids when they're operating on his dearly departed friend Gritso, Um, he talks about, you know, logically everyone knows that droids are super capable, but it's only when they're, when you see it kind of in this out of place setting, like a makeshift operational table in the middle of the desert and how there's just like no hesitation in what they're doing. It's like he finally, it was like that was the moment it clicked for him about, you know, in his view that droids were superior to organics. Mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And do you want me to read this other quote from L3? Because I yes, think it kind of goes along. With, yeah, I think it – yeah, it's like, damn, L3. <laughs> okay, so this is from page 187, and I think it kind of goes along with what we were just talking about before with that moment with Faison. Uh, but anyway, L3 went on. Who is the maker but our own selves, really? Sure, some guy in a factory probably pieced me together originally and someone else programmed me, so to speak. But then the galaxy itself forged me into who I am because we learn, Lando. We're programmed to learn, which means we grow. We grow away from that singular moment of creation because something new with each changing moment of our lives, yes, lives, and look at me, these parts. She ran her hand along the mesh of wiring and the rebranded astromech of her midsection. I did this. So maybe when we say the maker, we're referring to the whole galaxy, or maybe we just mean ourselves. Maybe we're our own makers, no matter who put the parts together. Uh, I just love that. That's that's what it is to exist. Yes, me too. (laughs) It's like we are products of those who made us. We're products of our parents, everything. I mean, this just like totally relates to the solo family in general, right? And, but, but at the same, in the same turn, like, we are our own people. We make our own decisions. And it just really goes back to me about how I, we talk about this all the time, especially me on the show about how Star Wars is really all about personal choice and following your path and like choose, you can always choose your own path. And because you're always constantly making these choices as um, someone with complete agency over themselves, it's you, you are an individual and all these certain things in your life affect you but at the end of the day you are your own Mm -hmm. so so cool yeah i mean it's very much the nature versus nurture debate and it's not a debate because it's both (laughs) yep yes yeah i really liked how um you know going back to faizen a little bit and there's like this combination of gore when you're talking about personal choice and how you have these like mishmash of droids and humans and how they're kind of made out to be this bad thing and some of them chose that for themselves Um, but then you compare it to l3 and how she literally put in this whole lifetime of work to combat this evil this like droid evil Um, and so it's like even with droids just like with humans they we see in this book them make the choice to you know go down the brotherhood of metal and bone path or to go down the l3 path and to do something for the greater good i thought that was touched my heart (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah, a single tear <laughs> rolls down the cheek. But it's true, though. It it's is like yeah. man. I feel a lot of emotions about droids now. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess in a way, I mentioned it at the top of the show about how like it bo- destroyed both of us when K two like sacrificed himself. Yeah, and I think that like if that's any testament, I, uh, I don't know. 
love those droids, and I'm glad that now we have a book that talks about, mm-hmm. I don't know, their sentience. <laughs> yeah. It's great. No, exactly. Exactly. Another theme that I kind of wanted to talk about was how this book really talked about like changing and evolution and personal growth and how you're always, I mean, I just mentioned this, but how you're always changing despite like being just the same person. Um, And I, it's, it's cool because the entire novel kind of takes place around the fact that Lando and Han both encountered this, this thing, and I'm going to mispronounce it and it's okay. The (laughs) phalanx, (laughs) phalanx in their youth, but they never really got around to, you know, figuring out what it is. And really at, at this point, they have to like kind of finish what they started. Um, and it was almost like they needed to like mature and understand things about themselves and go through certain obstacles that they did in the original trilogy, especially to like come come back to this and kind of view this as something that really truly needs to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I really liked your word choice there. Finish what they started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always bringing it back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it definitely, it it reminds me of like the cosmic force in a way, uh, which I know is very, um, distant from any kind of Han and Lando conversation. Han even talks about it at one point in one of his, um, sauna timelines where he's like, if you believe in the force, I don't, but you know, this would help you along. But it, I mean, it, it's like that moment when you go back and you look at these events in your past and you think they don't really have any sort of meaning, but without them, you wouldn't have been able to make the choices you're making now and in the future or do the things you're doing now. And I think it's a perfect example of, you know, um, 2020, you know, <laughs> vision is everything because <laughs> uh, you can look back and see things with a 2020 view, um, but you can't really in the moment because you have no idea what's coming down the line. Totally. Um, I really like this quote on page 307. It's a conversation. Um, who is it between? I don't remember now. It's between L3 and Lando. Yeah. I it's, they're having, it was like- it, it's the same one from what we – it's from that same scene, the last quote we just read. Yes. So – do you want to read it? You're so much better at reading than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I was really proud of you going through that other that first block quote. <laughs> and I was like, is she going to do this? She's going to do this. I don't think you guys know, but when we do block quotes on the show, Charlotte likes me to read them because usually she'll start reading them, but for some reason it just doesn't work out. <laughs> True. And so we stop and start over. <laughs> um, okay. So this is from the same scene with L3 and Lando. And L3 starts, she says, There's only so much a droid can do, you know, once it's been programmed. We evolve, sure, but to go all the way against our initial initial machinations, that takes some time, you know. Organics are pretty similar, Lando said, now that I think about it. We evolve, takes time, and when we do make those sudden, seemingly out-of-the-blue changes, usually it turns out the seeds have been there all along. It's just no one saw them. You mean when someone makes what appears to be a major change, it may be that it's really them revealing who they've truly been all along their original programming, so to speak. Something like that, sure. So what does this make us think about? Do you want me to go? I'll go. You, yeah. <laughs> you clearly want to go. You should go. <laughs> so immediately you want to think about this in the way of 
you know, Ben turning to the dark side, those seeds were always there. But my my brain immediately goes to Vader turning back to the good side mm-hmm. and how those seeds of, you know, sacrificing himself for his son and saving the galaxy were always there as we saw in The Phantom Menace, as we saw in Attack of the Clones, as, as we saw throughout um, that there was good in him. And that's to me, that's what it makes me think about. And I, I know maybe I'm taking that a little too far in terms of like Star Wars. This is a solo book, has nothing to do with Vader or Luke. Luke is mentioned literally one time. <laughs> Very I, <sad>. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just like, I can't help but put it in these terms and I think that this feels like a very important moment so maybe maybe it is important (laughs) I think it is they're having a very deep conversation about what it is to be human Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think I think it would be impossible not to push that a little farther onto our other characters who do make these very big galaxy changing decisions and we've talked about this before too how the Skywalkers are kind of like the Olympians of the the Star Wars galaxy, given their like mythology and and the choices they make, as we've seen, have really big ramifications across the galaxy. But I think you're right how that that quote one it does really make you think of um, like Vader and Kylo because honestly the quote goes both ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Seemingly out of the blue changes. Usually it turns out the seeds have been there all along. It's just that no one saw them. Like with Anakin, Palpatine has been sowing the seeds for a long time, and no one right. saw it coming. But there were also the seeds of the people who loved and cared about him. Shmi, Padme, Obi-Wan. Um, that's about it. Um, Ahsoka. <laughs> Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you get Luke and like Luke really brings like he sprouts all that love within <laughs> Anakin's heart. Um, and the same is true for for Kylo too. It's like you have the seeds that have been there all along of Snoke manipulating all of these events that weren't ever wrong or weren't ever bad in Kylo's life, you know, like with Han working, for example. But Snoke grew those to a really dangerous place within Ben's heart. Um, but on the flip side of that, what we'll see in nine, what you and I think we'll see in nine anyway, is that, you know, the seeds have been there all along for Ben Solo to be a real person. It's just that no one saw them. Everyone counted him out. Everyone assumed that he was gone and gone for good. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to be. I think you definitely have to make those leaps <laughs> when you're talking yeah. about the essence of what it is to be human with a droid. <laughs> totally. Ugh, God. Especially given the, the Vader and the breathing mask. <laughs> yes. So, you know, just kind of to wrap up the theme thing, I just kind of wanted to mention really quickly that it was kind of a cool aside to see how the new Republic was like demilitarizing. Mm-hmm. And the the book was kind of like really off to the side about all of this. You know, they were really nonchalant about <laughs> it. was almost like they didn't really even want you to notice, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting. And I'm, I appreciate getting this like slight backstory of what Leia is doing in the New Republic right now Mm -hmm. and what Mon Mothma is up to and everything. It's really cool. Yeah, her moth mothmaness. Mothmaness. (laughs) That was great. That was was so good. (laughs) Mon Mothma just having to stare at like a a bedraggled, shirtless Han Solo. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) 
<laughs> You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it was. But probably Han too, honestly. Yeah. He's like, how did I end up here? Baby on his chest, Mon Mothma in his face. It's 4.30 a.m. <laughs> and that other droid, what, what was their house droid? Uh, I forget his name, but I think God. it's her, but just like wearing around like, I'll get Leia, I'll get Leia. And Han's like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, all right. So are we ready to move on to part three? Yes. Let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three, which we have done in our last two book reviews, Revenge of the Sith and Last Jedi novelizations. And it's Lectio Divina, and it is taken um, from the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast. They do something similar to this. And Charlotte has listened to that podcast a lot and really loved this section. So we decided to bring it over into Star Wars. But basically, uh, Charlotte and I will each pull three quotes from the book and read them to each other and kind of give our first responses to them. Yes. So do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay, great. All right. So this is where you get to hear the book rattling around. If you'll please turn <laughs> to page 111. Yes. I'm there. Okay. You got there before me. That's fine. Okay. It's at the bottom of the page. Han had known that would happen. He tried to tell Ben he'd be gone and what that meant. Ben had nodded, but who knew what a two-year-old could really grasp? Still, even knowing it would come, the idea of Ben wanting to spend time with him, it felt like a chasm was opening up inside Han, and he couldn't name it or slow its spread. Oh. I know. This is one of those moments where I was like, what is he feeling? What's going on? I'm confused. Tell me. He's feeling love. I know. (laughs) And like that mixture of love and guilt of being away Mm -hmm. and um, knowing – yeah, knowing that his son now knows that he's gone and maybe he'll have this memory in the future. Oh, my God. Wow. It was, yeah. It was just the word like chasm really struck me. Because chasm is a good word. That, it is. It is. But it, and I think it's perfect for Han in this moment too, because chasm can have a negative, I think mostly it has like a negative connotation. It's like when you enter a chasm, like you're not, people generally aren't happy to encounter a chasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think about I think about the dark side hole in yeah. the last Jedi. He couldn't name it or slow its spread. I, I don't know. I just feel like that yeah. it's like that seaweedy open thing that's just calling you. Yeah, exactly. But I like how you how you um, called it love. <laughs> I, I mean, I do think it's love. I, I think it is I think too, that- but it's. It's complicated, and I think yeah. that's what that is. And it's not complicated as in like Han doesn't love Ben, but. It's like that feeling of longing that he doesn't really understand, but he knows he feels it. And the chasm of his love for his family is like kind of terrifying because he hasn't really had that. If not ever, then he hasn't had it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Okay, so are you ready for yours? Yes. Page. Okay, turn to page 15. Okay, I'm there. All right. It's on the bottom of the page. Okay. 
Everything had seemed so simple during those heady, breathless years of the rebellion. It wasn't, of course. Torture and death awaited any wrong move, and life in the grip of a seemingly unending war had ground them all, all down over time. But there was a mandate, a clear enemy to evade and destroy, a sense of mission, and with it all the reckless freedom of life in the underground. This is a good quote. Um, I love all of the moments of Han talking about the events of Return of the Jedi and like that whole period. I think it's really interesting because it's like, I like that part of the end where he says, um, there is a mandate, blah, 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 blah. And with it, all the reckless freedom of life in the underground. And it's like Han gets to have that like rough and tumble lifestyle, but he still gets the girl and he still gets the glory. <laughs> it's kind of like yep. the best of both worlds. It's like once you partner up with a princess, then you're like your general, your captain Han Solo, but mm-hmm. you also get to like go on these like seedy missions and, you know end up on tattooing frozen and carbonate, all that great stuff. It's funny because personally this quote like opens up a chasm within me that's <laughs> <laughs> that's like a mixture of nostalgia for yeah. the ease of the rebellion in the original trilogy and me myself a 24 year old who got to watch the original trilogy in its complete nature and like understand that there was an end and then me thinking about it like in a meta way of like that was such a simpler time and now we're in this like kind of tumultuous time of like I don't know what's going to happen to my favorite characters and there isn't a clear enemy and I don't know what to do wow you took and- it a lot deeper than I did <laughs> Yeah, you know me. <laughs> I was like, oh my and, God, Han gets the girl. <laughs> yeah, well, I just feel like it, it, in a sense, we are also nostalgic for that time. Yeah, no, I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a really good reading of it too. And I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier too about Han. It's like Han just got used to that life and then it mm-hmm. just like stopped immediately and kind of like how the original trilogy just like ended and we haven't really picked up with it again. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the first glimpse we get of that. I mean, not really, because we just haven't read the aftermath books. It's fine. It's fine. All right, you're right. <laughs> okay, whatever. But <laughs> all right, you know, for the next the next one, I don't want you to skip to the page. I'm just going to read it to you. Okay. Have you already read it? No. Okay. Don't skip to it. I'm. You're going to hate me. <laughs> I saw this quote and I was like, I've got to do this for Lectio Davina, and Charlotte's going to hate me. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, this is on page 161. As the skin and then fat and then muscle (laughs) slid to either side of his blade with a slurping sputter, Faison thought about how much his world had changed in the span of a single day. Why would you do this? It's like you knew I skimmed that part. <laughs> I knew you did. I was like, I'm going to read it to her. Dear listeners, I hate blood. <laughs> and anything like that. <laughs> when we were in middle school, Charlotte was like obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. But I was not. But Charlotte hates blood. So she would make me come over and watch Grey's Anatomy with her and tell her when all the surgical parts were done so she could keep watching again. Hopeless romantic. It's fine. <laughs> so, like, what does that quote make you think of? <laughs> Disgusting gore. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Caitlin? <laughs> I do like how <laughs> at the end, when he 
thinks about how his world had changed so much in the span of a single day. I'm, I'm turning to it. Are you? Because you could jump ahead to the other part that says Faison had made the first incision somewhere around dawn. Yeah, you know what? No. <laughs> All right, are you ready for your next or, quote? Or this part where Faison clipped away too much of a wandering vein and needed to clamp the stem of bleeding. Caitlin, stop it. People are going to turn us off. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Guys, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. What's your next quote? Um, turn to page 119. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Captain Fancy Pants. Han finally latched the hook of his, and zipped up the fly, then realized he hadn't tucked in the dress shirt and undid the whole thing with a grunt. Just because your whole world is a sultry is a sultry cape strut along the galactic catwalk of life does not mean the rest of us have to live in discomfort. Is in discomfort. <laughs> well, the galactic catwalk of life is just a lot of words I didn't expect <laughs> to ever be put together. I just think it's hilarious. And the sultry caped strut along the galactic catwalk of life. <laughs> the next line, too, is so funny. Taka spat blue milk back into the tin cup <laughs> they were sipping, sipping from. Damn. (laughs) So good. It is really funny. I think, and even the whole little bit of Han talking about like how the pants were too tight and he didn't zip, he didn't tuck in the shirt. So he had to like undo it. It's like, I can see how he would do that. I can see like Alden kind of merged with Harrison Ford doing that, like in a scene. It's just like uh, older writes, Han so well. I can't get over it. So well. I, can just, I, I could hear him and Lando in every single scene. It was ridiculous. Me too. Okay, so that brings me to a question. Did you picture Alden or did you picture Harrison? I pictured both. It was like when I went I mean, when we were in the normal, in the present timeline, I pictured Harrison, but then when we were doing flashbacks I, I honestly pictured Alden. So did I, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I think my brain now Alden is Han. It's weird. I kind of made the choice, though, because I'd seen it. I think I'd seen a tweet from Kirstie from Scavenger's Horde about how she saw Alden when she was reading this book. And I so then I think I made like the conscious choice to be like, okay, imagine Alden in these scenes, not Harrison Ford. And it worked. It wasn't like a hard thing to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I made the conscious choice. I just think that like I was thinking about Solo. So then that's what happened. Mm hmm. Um. I mean, I think that's great, though, if if we're able to suspend that sort of disbelief about these two actors. You know, yeah. it's awesome. No, I think so. Okay. Are you ready for your next one? Yes. Okay. 173. <laughs> okay. Okay. They'd gone through all stages of the stakeout several times already, from the initial thrill and a tasty meal, steak, eggs, calf, to the lull when things settle in to abject boredom and a general desire for something to happen, anything at all to happen, even something unrepentantly tragic, just so long as it's not more sitting around, staring across the table at the same increasingly ugly person and all the neon blinking signs and irritated waitresses of Friragos. Then more calf, fizzle fries, crumb dingy on snippets, calf. Han had caught a second wind while Chewie seemed to swing into melancholy even deeper than the usual grumpiness that took him over whenever Han tried to talk about his love life or lack thereof or whatever. But Han was feeling good. Calf. 
Han at his most relatable. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like, who among us doesn't relate to this moment of, or like, just like waiting forever and just like desperate for something to happen? Yeah. But then also getting that second wind because we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Where it's like all of a sudden, like, we've kicked into high gear and it's like, yes, I'm ready. I'm down. I am rallied. <laughs> Love that. I just yeah. loved the, the the diction of this entire thing is really great of like yeah, with the, 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 the parentheses and everything. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love <laughs> steak, how eggs, calf. <laughs> steak, eggs, calf. Me, I'm like, oh my God, they have steak. <laughs> and then I'm like, what's a pretzel fry? <laughs> yeah, bantha steak. Oh yeah, that's Same. true. Bantha steak. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love the part at the end when it's Chewy seemed to swing into a melancholy even deeper than the usual grumpiness that took him over when Han tried to talk about his love life. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. It makes me think, like, what does Chewy think about, like, Han and Leia and Ben? Like, is he over it? Like, <laughs> what's the deal? <laughs> I'm sure he was really happy. What's interesting is we did not get a Ben and Chewy scene, did we? No, and I kind of really wanted that. They're saving yeah. that for those feels. Because they know yeah. they're there. They know they're they're playing for it. They gotta be. They gotta be. Because we get the Lando <laughs> ones. We don't get the Chewy ones. Yeah. That is sad. That is sad. I was going to pick – I was between picking this passage and the passage where Han stares into the Bastic monster's eyes and, like, starts fantasizing about the dust in the universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I went with this one instead because I laughed more. Um, I have one more bonus one. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm excited. Okay, so turn to page 41. Okay. All right, I'm there. <laughs> okay, go. Pants, dark purple with a, go- <laughs> with a gold stripe up either side. Pressed and creased sharply down the middle, of course. Subtly flared at the hems, overshined in wax, narrow-tipped dewback skin boots, <laughs> slopping inward and tight towards the top, tight enough, <laughs> tight enough for a bulge in the insinuation <laughs> of an ass. I can't even. Kayla. Keep going, keep going. Start over. Not so tight as to cut off the circulation or impede <laughs> a smooth cavort across the dance floor. A black and red dyed bantha hide belt circled his hips held tight in the precise center by a glinting copper starred buckle. This quote was worth it enough just to hear you read it out loud. <laughs> I literally can't with this quote. I There's so much of this book where I, like, it's just, it's so funny. It's so funny. I mean, tight enough for a bulge? <laughs> I think we just and had to the put insinuation a parental- of the ass. I think we just had to put a parental warning on this podcast for the first time. Oh, God, it's so funny. It's really funny. I, yeah. I I saw Bria mention that this is like the new Obi-Wan stares at Anakin's butt. Yes. That's why I wanted to read it because <laughs> it's just like it really is one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny. And the fact too, I love in one of in I think it's in yeah, it's in the Lando and L3 timeline when Lando was like they're they're having to run. I think it's when they're in the in the asteroid, the ice. Anyway, they're like in a rush, and Lando like changes capes. <laughs> oh my god, I know. And He's like, this like, will do. We don't have time for this. <laughs> and Lando's like, I got the one that's purple on the outside with a light blue lining. It'll go great with like whatever it is he's wearing. 
<laughs> he has like a cape closet and it like brings him a sense of peace. Honestly, like kind of relatable again. <laughs> Lando's understanding of clothes, like I relate. I really yeah. do. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> it definitely makes sense with with Padme too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like excellent. Pa- <laughs> it's funny how like Padme and Lando are the two people with the best sense of fashion in Star Wars. <laughs> So true. I just love so it. True. I love it. This is yeah. I'm glad we ended on this. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not having me sing. Well, Charlotte, are you gonna sing? <laughs> you know, I think we gotta give the people what they want. So this is from the first chapter when Han and Taka are in the cockpit of the Vermilion for the first time. And Han is yelling at Taka over Taka's music that is playing very loudly. Han goes, is that really necessary? Han yelled over the blaring music as he settled into the cockpilot seat. And then Taka's music plays and it gives us the words. It gives us the lyrics. And I, for one, would really like to hear Charlotte sing the lyrics (laughs) of Taka's favorite band, which I can't. I don't have their name in front of me, but it's like a two-parter name. (laughs) It's something and the something. Yeah, it's something and the something. So if you would please grace us. On Sky Talkers podcast. Are you going to do it too? After, I'll, no. I'll sing the first line and you can sing the second. No. <laughs> yeah, that's happening. Okay, so I'm doing the first one. <laughs> Freema, Freema, Bara, Bara, Freema, Freema. Okay, so I go. Freema, Lima, Chaka, Chaka, Freema, Bola, Freema. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Let's. Should we do it all together? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Uh, so from the top. Prima, prima, bara, bara, prima, prima. Prima, lima, chaka, chaka. Prima, prima. I think that's actually the most ridiculous thing we've done on the show. <laughs> I think so, too, which is actually surprising that it's taken this long for that to be the most ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, really glad. <laughs> That that happened. <laughs> All right. So I think after that musical number, the first this is like Sky Talkers, the musical. Um, we are going to end the show here. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Don't forget that our survey is still up for you to fill out. And we also just launched our Discord uh, channel for our Patreon. So definitely feel free to check that out. If you like what you hear and want to subscribe and review us on iTunes, you know where to find us there, as well as on our personal Twitters. Um, Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte is at Clarity, as well as at SkytalkersPod. Or you can check out our website, skytalkers.com. And I just want to thank our awesome patrons, Buck, Xander, Alyssa, Mark, James, Matt, Matthew, Ryan, Kristen, Dean, Emma, David, David, Robbie, Derek, Connie, Kirsty, Adam, Brandon, Chuck, Stewart, Aaron, Cherie, Rebecca, Katie, Serene, Shireen, Daz, Daniela, Travis, Angela, Ali, Alyssa, Lauren, Natalia, Delaney, Andy, Amy, Kyle, Becca, Diana, Brian, Meg- Megan, Rachel, Kelly, Courtney, Jim, Katie, Lynn, Susanna, Suara, BJ, Joanna, Neil, and Amy. Woo! Thank you guys so much for supporting us. <laughs> yes, thank you guys so much. And we're super excited for, I think we have what, two, one episode left until solo? Literally one episode. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. And you and I are going to be together in Boston to see Solo. So I'm super excited. I'm really excited to come up and see you. It's It's going to be be great. It's going to be so fun. So stay tuned for more, guys. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you. So, bonus Ben Solo freakout session. <laughs> bonus part four. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! This this section, this bonus section, is literally going to be us going through the Ben Solo parts and talking about how cute he is. So, if that's not your jam, <laughs> bye, <laughs> bye. That's okay. That's okay. That's what the bonus part four is for. Like honestly, has this is like the cutest thing of my entire life. <laughs> Ben is just I oh my god oh my god but let's start let's start with like the serious baby Ben feels okay okay in the first part when hold on I'm flipping I'm flipping I'm flipping okay when they're on the couch and it goes little Ben looked up groggily those dark eyes settling on Han studying him Han had no idea how a two-year-old could have such ancient eyes. It was as if Ben had been waiting around for a millennium to show up at just this moment in history. Slowly, Ben Solo's eyes drifted close as his chin settled on Han's shoulder. (laughs) How is it so cute? So cute. (laughs) Oh my god, it's just, wow. There's so much. Okay, let's just go through it off the top of my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ben running around with a drill saying ba 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 for some reason. That doesn't that's not the noise that drills make. So, all right. Maybe but, but maybe it's more like vroom vroom vroom. That's a V noise. <laughs> <laughs> maybe drills sound differently in space, okay? You know what? Maybe, but I doubt it. <laughs> And, okay, other things. Um, ben running naked into Uncle Wanwo's arms. I... Escaping from the bath. What? What? <laughs> that was a thing that happened here? You know, a lot of people think that Raylos are wibifying Ben, Kylo Ren, but, like, honestly, Lucasfilm is doing it for us. They're just giving us all <laughs> the different things. <laughs> Let me... Hold on. Let's just... <laughs> I've got it right here. Okay. Lando wrapped his fingers around his head and leaned back. I don't even have to pull the this is all your fault card, do I? You can't wait to get out of here. Han frowned. I just... The door flew open and Ben Solo, buck naked, hurtled in with a scream. Uncle Wawo! There's my little buddy, Lando said, scooping the boy up in his arms and turning him naked upside down to giggles and shrieks. then Lando says, after the droid comes in, Lando says, that's all right. He said with a chuckle, always happy to see the young Mr. Ben. Mr. Ben. (laughs) Young Mr. Ben. (laughs) So good. Yeah. And little, little Starfighter is, I shit you not, the cutest thing I've ever heard. 
can't believe no one's ever like used that in a fic. I've never read that before. No. It's perfect. No. I just when I read that and how like Lando calls him Little Starfighter. <laughs> it's so cute. It's too I can't good. Get over it. It's too good. It's too good. Yeah. And then when they're when 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 baby Ben doesn't really get hollows yet and he tries to reach for Han. But it just goes through the hollow image. And he doesn't get it. Aww. He doesn't get it. And it's sad. And it's cute, too. It's very sad. But, okay, back to sad things. Oh, yeah. And okay. the droid basically turns on Ben. <gasps> and he's, oh like, God. whimpering and, like, super sad in his room. I just, like, honestly can't handle how many occasions, like, people are just holding weapons above a sleeping Ben Solo, or like interrupting his sleep. Mm. It's like it's the theme of everything of Ben's young life. I know, literally, like it's he can't sleep. It's really sad, and I. (laughs) My God, (laughs) yeah, that was really sad when it's like when the droid was going through how he would do it too. I know the the like nape of his neck. I was like, are you serious? And honestly, like, if I can just have, like, a moment, it, like, a lot of times it feels like that's how, what people want Ray to do in episode nine. I know. Just, like, go for the throat with Ben, and you're like, no. Like, no, he's a person. He's a person, and Ray, one, Ray's not going to do that unless there are, like, extreme circumstances. Totally. (laughs) Or, like, Ben is like, this is the only way. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But yeah, it was really sad. And and like when Lando was thinking about it too, and he was like, oh my God, they're going to turn, they're going to like flip the switch and like Ben and Leia, Man. they'll be hurt. I was like, jeez. I know. That. Oh my God. Also, Ben like plays with Leia's hair. It's just adorable. <sighs> yeah. Every I single love thing. The way they, I, yeah. I love the way they talk about like Ben, I don't know, like as a baby and, and like I don't have kids, but I have nieces and I've tried to get them to sleep and I've been with my sister when they've been asleep and it's like you do move differently when there's a baby asleep right next to you. And I love how both Han and Leia talk about that. And when Han's like talking to Leia on a hollow and he notices how she moves really carefully and he's like, oh, Ben's asleep in the bed with her. <laughs> <laughs> It's so cute. Their domestic life. I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> I honestly like, I mean, I said it in the beginning of the show, but like it really does get to me so much. Like Han and Leia and Ben's like perfect, not perfect. It's not a perfect relationship, but mm-hmm. their little family is just so adorable. And like Ben watching cartoons and like yeah. Han being like a stay at home dad, essentially. Like it mm-hmm. was just great. It was really cute. It was really sweet. I was really into it. I know. Like, they really could have given us the ter- the terror child. Like, I feel like everyone would have been like, okay, he's a terrible kid. But instead, they gave us, like, kind of a, a, a kid who, like, never really gets to sleep. Yes, he does cry. He cries a lot. Okay. But he's not, like, setting the house on fire yet. Yeah. <laughs> don't, so. don't say yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's the whole thing with, with Anakin and the Phantom Menace, too. You know, it was like everyone went into the Phantom Menace expecting to see, like, the great Jedi when instead you're met with, like, the tiny child that will become Dark Lord of the Sith. Yep. And in here we get a little piece of that when we're met with the the tiny Ben Solo that will become the Master of the Knight of Ren. 
You mean Mr. Ben? (laughs) Young Mr. Ben? Young Mr. Ben. Ben. (laughs) I love Uncle Wanwo. I love Uncle Wanwo. I wonder wonder if Lando bought Ben like a, a... like a case of tiny. Oh, you didn't. You don't. You don't know this. In aftermath, this is a thing that he brings him tiny capes. Like yeah, literally. What? <laughs> 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 oh my god! Just imagine the fact that Ben, that Kylo Ren, has a trunk out there of tiny capes. <laughs> Perfect. And I bet they're different colors. That's why he loves the cape so much. It's true. It's <laughs> he got it from his uncle Wanwo. He got it from uncle. <laughs> Hans, Hans, like, take off that mask. But the second line was, "Take off that cape. cape. I don't talk to your uncle Lando anymore." <laughs> and Ben's like, "No, I love Uncle Wanwo. I love the cape." <laughs> the thing is, I bet when when Ben was like thirteen, they were always like, "And you called him Uncle Wando." And Ben is like, "Stop telling me that story." Yeah, I'm <laughs> He's sure. Just like exactly so peeved about it. <laughs> yeah, that's literally exactly how it is. It is how it is. Everyone's like, "Oh, Ben, so cute," and he's like, "I'm an adult." I, <laughs> I do have to say, I wish that we got more of, and they're not going to give it to us in this book, but I want more than one line about Luke. I'm eager yeah. for the young Ben and Luke relationship that's not like the Jedi relationship, but instead, Uncle, Uncle Luke. Ugh. I mean, if you guys have been following me on Twitter, you know I've been having some serious Ben and Luke feelings lately. Like, it has just hit me over the head with the importance and tragedy of their relationship, and I need so much more from them all the way around, from birth to fall to death. <laughs> I mean, every piece of that story filled in because it is so important. Yeah, it is. You should go check out her threads. They're really cool. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I think – I mean, do we have anything else to say about Baby Ben besides the fact that he's, like, the cutest thing ever? He's so cute. I bet he was born with hair, so he's always had great hair. And uh, he's grown up on coffee, which probably explains a little bit about his bitterness. Like, <laughs> young children who grow up on coffee is not a good combo, I'm just saying. Oh, my God. And- that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell us what your favorite baby bed moment is, please, on Twitter. We can't get enough. <laughs> so <laughs> let us know and send us. We've seen some of the like baby bed art that's gone around, but you know, always feel free to send us more. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, bonus part four, <laughs> but we felt it was necessary. Like baby Ben deserved his own little section. So I hope you all enjoyed it. And this really is the end of the show. There is no bonus part five yet, maybe in a future episode. I don't know. Anyway, um, but thank you guys for listening. May the force be with you.